Blog Talk Radio. All right. All right, yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Welcome to Saturday Morning Serial. I am Grim Dan Shea, your host as always. Are you sure? Yes, I am sure. Are you sure time. it's I, morning? I Well, no. Okay. Actually, it's actually nighttime. We are doing <laughs> yeah. a special special time, special event, special... And why Why is it special, Marky, my co-host? It's Comic-Con season. It's Comic-Con yeah. 2015. Hot damn, everybody. It keeps happening every year. It gets bigger and bigger, crazier and crazier. Uh, well, actually, this year... Uh, I think it's a... This it is, might actually be... Have jumped the shark. No. Marvel is not even coming. Yeah, okay. And not and Paramount. Which may have something to either. do with the, the whole the Star whole Wars The whole Disney thing and, and all that stuff. But... Uh, and. We'll get to Star Wars, I'm sure. Yeah. I think Sony is ditching it. There's a lot of big names who are leaving, and yet somehow this is still a very you don't care. packed event. Yeah. There's still so much to see. It's insane. Uh, you know, and many of us would maybe argue that there was too many coming here anyway. It was very easy to argue that. Yeah. At so, least, especially from a local standpoint. I just, I think this city uh, and this downtown has been cultivated to host this event. Yeah. And, you know, Vegas can't do it. I've been to Vegas many times. L.A., no fucking way could they do this. They better not try. And there's always threats about Comic-Con leaving and all this stuff. Come on. Give me a break. You're not going anywhere. This is the exact perfect place for it to happen. It's just nothing can house any bigger than what it already is. Yeah. You know, like, so all these major studios are gone. Or not this year. Not a, not a, no sweat off the back right now. We have still got so much to cover. I mean, hell, it turns out we just found out there's even a Star Wars panel, one single gigantic Star Wars. Panel. Well, from Mark Lucasfilm, yes. Although there's there's plenty we of Star Wars programming. Star Wars. Yeah, there's yeah. The books and the, yeah. and the Hasbro. But as far as Episode Seven goes, one thing. Like the one thing that's going to draw people in. Yes. That's going to make a line that starts the night before. Let me guess, Marky. You want to go to this panel, don't you? That's my whole purpose that's, for going Friday. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a Friday thing. It it's not until the late afternoon, right? Well, it's uh, it's Hall H. Lucas of course, famously the in Hall the big Hall H where people have died to get in, and literally. that's not a joke. No, literally, I am have died. Trying, I'm keeping a straight face so that everyone yeah. at home knows it's serious and it is 
scary, yes. and you could get stabbed by somebody with a pencil. And it's, it's and that dude didn't die, so it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, the, the guy with the pencil did not die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I got stabbed. That's why I have the little scar right there. That's by <laughs> a pencil. The the pencil that is still in there. That's a rumor. It's not. <laughs> okay, um, but uh, Hall H. Lucasfilm is going on at 5.30, and the guests for this are going to be Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams, Lawrence Kasdan, who I would – oh. As a matter of fact, uh, they, the, Kathleen Kennedy and J.J. Abrams were the big draws for the opening of Celebration a few months ago. They didn't even have Lawrence Kasdan. No, they and didn't have – They've no. added to it to make right. Comic-Con even better. Well, and the but other – their one. this is their one drop. Well, and uh, – the first humongous billboard that I've seen, you know, we are San Diego based, so we're 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 always around. Yep. The the one billboard that I have seen is the the big Conan O'Brien show, which is a pop vinyl figure of Conan O'Brien, mm-hmm. and he's on a huge billboard on the side of the Hilton Bayfront. Yeah. Okay. And he is going to be broadcasting a full week of shows. From San Diego, uh, and I love Conan. What a nerd! I think it's I think it's great. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm not going to attend. It's just too much commitment to try to go and see something like that. Yeah. Although it's going to be great. I can't wait to watch it on Hulu or whatever. Yeah. But you do um, have to pick and choose you have what to you're going right, to go right. do at these things. Right. And that's why when you are picking the Star Wars panel at five thirty in the afternoon, I got to give up a lot. That's your Friday. Right now, uh, Conan though specifically. They're going to do one night of guests are like Walking Dead, one night is Game of Thrones, and then one night is special guests, surprise guests, right? Now, if you look at Hall H on Friday, you have at 10 a.m. you have the animation show of shows. At 12 o'clock, you have AMC's The Walking Dead. At 1 o'clock, 1 1 p.m. is AMC's Fear the Walking Dead. So the spinoff. Anyone right. who's there for Walking are gonna Dead, stay for that. 98% of them are going to want to see this. Exactly. Yeah. And then at 2.30, Game of Thrones panel. That's right. a pretty big show. That's All right. pretty goddamn With big. With a Comic-Con crowd, right? Yeah. And then at 4 o'clock, Entertainment Weekly, you know, Time Warner Own Magazine, a major sponsor of Comic-Con, mm-hmm. they're going to host the Brave New Warriors, which is a show with Zachary Quinto and something else it doesn't really matter because at 5 30 lucasfilm is going to come on so remember we're going to do at 10 a.m the animation show of shows at 12 amc walking dead at one fear the walking dead at 2 30 game of thrones at four some entertainment weekly stuff at 5 30 <laughs> lucasfilm what does that tell you it tells me that you are probably if you really want to see the lucasfilm quote unquote Episode 7 panel. That's right. You are going to want to stand in line for the animation show shows. <laughs> exactly. Bring a catheter and, uh, and a water bottle, and you're camping out in Hall H all day. That's the only way you know that you can see it. You Otherwise, at least you're going to have to know somebody or get lucky, right? You at least have to target to get in for the Game of Thrones at 2.30. So you're going to have to wait for uh, the Walking think, Dead people to empty, and then. But how many of those people do you really think who fought to get into two successive? Because let's not kid ourselves. If you're there for the first Walking Dead, you're going to go to the second one. No doubt, guaranteed. No doubt. You're gonna but that's a seat. short panel. From that's from twelve to one, and then and then from one to two thirty. Well, 
Well, it's probably one to two and right. a half hour. So there's a half hour gap between the Walking Dead shows and then the Game of Thrones. Let's say realistically, I think I think half of it empties. A third or a half of it yeah. empties. Now, and new people get in. That line starts probably during the first Walking Dead panel, though. I think smart. I think all that line starts the morning of mm-hmm. or the night before. So where they don't care what you want to see, they're like, "This is how much room is in here." Exactly. So all right, I see. The, what you're I, I do think this line does not move until one o five p.m. Mm-hmm. Or no, I'm sorry, two o five p.m. And then at two o five p.m., half of that half of that auditorium is going to empty. Yeah. There's, and a, then, there's a cattle shift where right. the doors to the left, you exit. Doors to the right, you're lucky if you can stop the nerds from busting That's down what's going to happen. And they're very good about preventing nerds from busting the barriers. Mm-hmm. You do not fuck around with Comic-Con security. Especially Hall H. Do not. That's where you're, you're not going the crowd anywhere. Is. That's right. You That's have where to, your Blackwater mercenaries. Exactly. Do yeah. not jack with those guys. But... I don't think that that line moves until two. So that means that if you want to get into Game of Thrones, meaning you want to get into Lucas, that means that you have got to be in line before 10 a.m. And you got to sit there until 2.15. Yeah. Whether you want to hear about The Walking Dead or not, you're going to hear <laughs> two hours of The Walking Dead if you want to hear anything about Star Wars right from the well, that's horse's mouth. The best way for you to see Star Wars is to be in that room all day. But the second and only other option is for you to be in Game of Thrones. And you have to be within the first 2,000 people to get into that room. And that's it's not going to be a guarantee. It's going, exactly. Do not read that as a guarantee because it's probably... You're still fighting the odds. It's very confusing. That, in a nutshell, is what the popular edge of Comic-Con, of what SDCC really is. Exactly. But remember, this. I, I, what I'm proud of is that during this time, and I think this is the kind of phenomenon, panels like this in Hall H are what cause like an attendance crater yeah. around the rest of the panels and, and everything else that's going on. So during this time would be a great time. If you have a second or third choice, yep. you're almost guaranteed a seat. Yeah, and I totally agree. Like when a Star Wars panel happens, you're going to have a little tiny bit of a reprieve, but yeah. it's going to be very, very minor. I mean, yeah. the actual – It's like watching the surf recede right before a tsunami. Yeah. It's just, you get a yeah, few minutes to run out and grab some seashells Maybe. right before the crowd just crushes you Those again. are the best seashells, actually. Oh, yeah. They absolutely are. Uh, but there's so much other stuff going on at Comic-Con that we would be remiss if we didn't bring that up, too. Because uh, well, I, well, how I have already resigned to the fact I'm not going to this panel. I'm not going to put up with that. There's too much other stuff to do. I am one of those. I'm going to be one of those who says, ha ha, suckers, go off and see the cool stuff. But I'm going to give you a little suggestion, all right? Shoot. I, I know your proclivity. I know your taste, okay? And if if you like Star Wars at all, all you got to do is you go on to ComicCon, well, comic-con.org, you know, a bit about the boop, you hit some, you can Don't actually find a search. Don't accidentally go to comic sex. 
I've <laughs> done a, that. It's totally, entertaining for a few minutes. It's a totally but, different and better website, <laughs> yeah, but it's not superior in so many ways. However, <laughs> but if you go to comic comic dash dash comic dash comic dash right, if you go to comic dot xxx, I'm just so fucked yeah. up right now. <laughs> comic dash con dot org, and then you can just follow the shit along. All right, there's going to be a, a programming scheduling part. It's the first thing you're going to see. They have a really good search engine, and then I, I always just going to, you know, I like Star Wars a lot, so I'm going to search Star Wars. All right, now they're going to pull up all the Star Wars programming, which includes Del Rey books, and then. They're going to talk about Hasbro. Yeah, because there's still going to be a lot of Star Wars. A lot of Star Wars Regardless of J.J. Abrams' Episode Seven stuff, Star Wars was one of the original presences, and will continue. In 1977, they were the first one, like one of the one of the most expensive Star Wars posters that you could find that that you could collect right now, is the poster that the that the Star Wars people were selling at the very first Comic Con for like two bucks. 1977 Comic Con Uh exclusive. Mm Mm-hmm. For just, two dollars or three dollars, you could buy a poster of Star Wars. A lot Wars. of our audience who just heard me say that cream their pants. Nineteen seventy-seven Comic Con exclusive. That's what it was. That was yep. it may be the first Comic Con. Who knows, right? You could and send a kid to college, probably. It's yeah, it's expensive, at least for a semester. Now at a state school. <laughs> now, but if you were to if you were to look up Star Wars, I I'm sorry, but there's a lot of cool Star Wars programs that are very directly related to Star Wars. And then it does something just genius. It goes through Star Wars-related programming. So any kind of connection, any kind of flavor, taste that you might like. And this is its search algorithm. It, it, it might if be an you algorithm. like Star Wars, it doesn't bring you to Star Wars. No. Next, it brings you to... Well, like, in this particular case, on Friday at 10.30... Very, very dear friends of ours, Nobility. Uh, uh, nobility, good old Nobility. E.J. De La Pena. E.J. De La Pena is my favorite guest of all time. Uh, <laughs> nobility, awesome. these aren't the heroes you're looking for. Uh, they are actually going to have a panel. Star Wars everywhere. And it's going to be, uh, get this, these are all friends of Saturday Morning Serial. Ooh, give me some names I know. Doug Jones, we love. Oh, I love it. I talked to him many times. Adrian Wilkinson. Oh, yep. Oh, my God. Cass Avnar. Yep. Talk Miracle Lori. A few times. Boom. DJ De La Pena, we mentioned him. Several times. James Kaysen. We've had him on the oh, show. From Heroes. Yeah, I know him. Yeah. And Sir Walter Koenig. Uh, I don't think he's Sir, but uh, well, uh, he should be. Oh, he's the guy. I think people know him from uh, Star Trek and Saturday Morning Serial. Those are I, like his two <laughs> yeah, his two big right. credits. Yeah. <laughs> he got mad at you. You guys have got to hear this interview. He got he gets mad at Grimm. Let's not. I think we're, we're we're just fine. Me and me and Wally get along just fine. Don't listen. MaddieBRadio.com. Go into Saturday Morning Serial Archives. If you scroll down far or, enough, you're or gonna, don't. It's, it's up to you as the listener. That was funny. listen anyway. Anyway, that's, he's going to be at the so show. So this is the the search engine at comic-con.org pulls up pulls up related things not based on. Uh, just just the spelling alphabetized, but actually like, hey, you like Star Wars? You might like this, which exactly. is an incredibly. If, if you're not familiar with Comic Con, that is such a helpful search tool. Well, it also because helps. you have to say, 
all right, either I give up all my Friday for this panel, or if I don't want to, well, I could do this. Here yeah. are a dozen panels I might be able to go and see instead, which I think is the best way to be able to spread all of us out. Well, and I don't, and I don't want to give Comic Con too much credit. I don't think it's like this fancy algorithm. I think we're just kind of having fun with that term. But like, if you've had, if there's somebody in the panel that is connected to that, like for example. Former guest of Saturday Morning Serial, Adrian Wilkinson, was actually a voice on Star Wars The Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So, of course, if she's somewhere, it's going to come up under Star so Wars. So it'll bring you something Yeah, up. so it's enough of an algorithm that it can, plop, it can pluck out those, you know, those important characters, you know, those uh-huh. important personalities. And it can show you, if you like Star Wars, you might like this person, and this person's in this thing. So go and follow her to that. And yeah. that it's is why you go to Comic-Con, you, though. You can't probably see this panel, but here's 12 panels you'll like. I love that. Yes, exactly yeah. right. And, you know, it's like it's what opens your eyes to something different, right? Like yep. in my first Comic-Con, although I do remember when I was a kid, but I was like a freshman in high school. Maybe maybe I was a sophomore in high school. And there was a show called Freaks and Geeks, mm-hmm. and it was on ABC. And I remember – not watching a lot of TV, I think, because I was really getting into girls, right? You're, well, not getting into them <laughs> metaphorically. <laughs> I mean, getting into them physically, literally. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. And so at that age, you're Good busy. Night, folks. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> so at that age, you're busy. You don't care about TV because the young Indiana Jones Chronicles is on TV at the same time. And I didn't, I didn't watch a lot of those why. either, right? <laughs> so, thing. so here we are. Um, flash forward several years later. I'm at Comic-Con, and I attend – there was there was room in this panel, and it was for Freaks and Geeks. I'm like, oh, I remember that show. That looked pretty cool. I never really saw it. And I walked in there. It was one of the big ballrooms. I sat in there with a bunch of people. We all watched the last unaired episode of Freaks and Geeks, and I'd never seen one before. Uh-huh. Right? So I watched the last episode of Freaks and Geeks that was unaired, and I loved it. That's a special opportunity you got because you went to the exactly. right panel at the right time. Exactly. Once again, and we have we have been over this uh, on this show. We have done many Comic Con uh, related related previews, mm-hmm. wrap ups, mm-hmm. exploratory think pieces, if you will, spectaculars, and that is one of those things. Time management, luck. The serendipity kind of has to come together That's a good way to for you it. to yep. see the best possible stuff. Providence. So go with it. Exactly. Go with it. Follow <laughs> yeah. it. Providence yeah. will lead you somewhere. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And 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 you you never really a know what to help. Like. Never hurts though. And which that's is why. why which is why. Uh, for instance, this year we we Saturday morning cereal have been approved for a little bit of access to various things, such as say. We've got the TV Land. I'm looking forward to that press one. panels. Yeah, which they're going to go over the uh, Jim Gaffigan show, mm-hmm. Teachers. Yep. Um, with a little bit of luck, I'm going to have a chance to speak with like Michael, Michael Ian Black, Ian Black yeah. uh, anybody from the state, anybody in that alt comedy scene. I'm down with. Michael uh, Rosenbaum's going to be there too. By the way, he plays Lex Luthor. In, oh, uh, see, Smallville. You, you Smallville people, yep. boom! Look what you get there. Yeah. So I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, the. The TV Land panel is on Thursday. Uh, all this stuff, by the way, anything that we're doing that we're really excited about, uh, go to MattyPRadio.com because yep. we have a special Comic-Con section. And then really anything that 
that kind of clears our peanut gallery yep. is going to be posted onto our site. And so just uh, just to As kind if of few listeners didn't know, but always remember, go to mattypradio.com. Exactly. That's where we've got the real comprehensive coverage where we talk about Shows like Jim Gaffigan, uh, Sex, Drugs, Rock and Roll, new oh, show from FX. Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary. Yep, we're going to be able to go and talk to That's him That's going to be awesome. Hopefully we yeah. get some good stuff from him. The Last Ship, which we talked about uh, last year, had a great first season, getting renewed. They're doing it again. Go, we, we're confirmed for that. Uh, Falling Skies, Skies, my favorite. I don't know if you guys remember. Show. We have been following them for years we we did a whole show just about Falling Skies. We've done year. multiple shows about Falling we've Skies. We've covered it twice, but one was dedicated to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I still Carter think there's more to say, probably. Oh, yeah. That was an awesome interview. Yeah. Yeah. Doug Jones. I can't thank Doug Jones enough just for being Doug Jones, let alone for talking to us <laughs> I know, so true. many times. Yeah. Uh, these are just a few of the things that we are going to try and cover in the periphery of all the grand entertainment options. Uh, There's another also, one kind of coming up that I'm pretty excited about. Uh, this one is – I've always wanted to go every year, and this is from scheduling issues. I haven't been able to go. I'm going to make it a priority this year. Uh, but it is the behind the music panels, um, and they always do a couple. It's the CW3PR group. Uh, they're gonna, they present this particular panel, and half of it is uh, the – um, behind the music, crime, death, and resurrection, and they, what it is is basically they're gonna they're gonna bring some composers, some musicians that kind of lead to in this particular case some of the um, uh, music you hear during a crime or a mystery episode or movie. Interesting. So they got the guy from Homeland. They got the guy from Wayward Pines. They got the guy from The Vampire Diaries. And then another one that they're doing, which is on July 10th, and that's going to go on in room 23 ABC, uh, which is – I'm really looking forward to this one. This one is presented by CW3PR and Sci-Fi uh, or Sifi. I don't know how you like to say that. <laughs> um, and that is the Behind the Music Chills and Thrills, and that's going to uh, – that's going to bring you actually Jason Gallagher. We guys, we you know him. He's infamous. Um, <laughs> uh, guys that did the music for the Sharknado movies, Being Human, Haven, Helix, and that's going to be uh, moderated by Timo Pinnikit, who you guys know from Battlestar Galactica. Did I say of his name right? We do. Okay, it's, he's Hilo. Mm-hmm. That, that's why I know him. And then the real skinny dude that was in uh, Road Trip, uh, DJ um, DJ Qualls. Qualls. Yeah. There. So um, we're looking forward to covering that this year. I hope it works out. The last couple two years in a row, I have not been able to make it, and I've really, 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 really tried. So that's on my priority. But if you guys are going to Comic Con, you at least want to check out the panels, even if. And and if you happen to miss them, and if we don't happen to miss it, we'll bring you some of the press room information. Yep, yeah. you are very lucky to get it. But there's uh, there's there's so much other stuff going on. As a matter of fact, Marky, I don't know if you knew about this. I was kind of saving it as a surprise. Go ahead. But I talked to our old friends at DevastatorPress.com. Oh yeah, remember that uh, Amanda and Jeffrey. Yeah, and they, they uh, you know, we love Devastator Press. They are hilarious. They are irreverent. Mm-hmm. They know exactly what we like. They love doing parodies. They love doing satire. Uh, and this year, 
I managed to sit down and talk with them again. They're getting their uh, their usual booth yeah. down in the publisher section, booth 1632, by the way. Uh-huh. You'll hear that in the interview. Trust me, you'll hear it. Hear it. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Regardless, what they are bringing to the table this year is, I don't know if it's too soon to use this term, but it is vintage devastator. I think people, it's a I, I think people, um, wives especially, cannot wait to get their hands on this. I can't speak for the wives of America, but I can tell you, anybody who craves a new penis, <laughs> this is, okay, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. As a matter of fact, let's get a little flavor of what uh, of what the indie uh, press, yeah, small press, the cool kids yeah. like us are going to be doing down at Comic-Con this year. Magic interview machine, won't you bring me Devastator Press with Amanda Meadows, Jeffrey Golden, and Patrick Baker. Hey everybody, welcome to Saturday Morning Serial, I'm Grim Shea, and right now we're talking to our old friends at uh, Devastator Press, Jeffrey Golden and Amanda Meadows, and joining us all today is also uh, Patrick uh, Baker, author for uh, Devastator. That is correct. Thanks for having us. Thank you. All right, well, we're, uh, it's, it's Independence Day weekend here. Uh, the fourth is upon us, and to celebrate, you guys at Devastator are bringing us the Presidential Dicker Book. Tell, tell me, tell me quickly, what what is this? Well, uh, this is a sticker book that uh, you may have remembered from when you were a child, uh, or if you had children. And there were several that I had that were educational in nature, where you would, you know, put stickers of like bald eagles or flags into an American history book. And so we just made one that was for grown-ups. Uh, where you you put stickers on the president of the United States, but those stickers are dicks. They are dick stickers uh, that you put on the president of the United States. Uh, and then along with it, uh, for the more uh, historically inclined, we have uh, dick moves by every president of the United States. So I've been describing it to people as like a people's history of the United States for immature, mature readers. And uh, I'd like to add, uh, now these... These dick stickers, uh, they all are very different. They're like cartoon stickers that all match the personalities of the various presidents. So, for example, uh, we have uh, Herbert Hoover, who is famous for saying a chicken in every pot. Uh, his sticker is uh, it's like a pot, and the, the dick is like peeking out of it. Uh, George Washington's is made of uh, wood, of course, and yeah, has and the cubes are his powdered wig, and the cubes are powdered wig. So, so it's uh, <laughs> it, it's it's kind of a guessing game too, trying to figure out uh, which uh, which uh, penis belongs on which potent. Well, when I first heard about it, and I don't, and I and I imagine this is probably the prevailing sentiment, but my first thought was, really, another one. Does the world need another presidential uh, penis sticker, fun fact, <laughs> puzzle book? And how do you justify putting this out in this oversaturated market? You know, we just we looked at it and we said to ourselves, well, the simple fact of the matter is, is that we're not at the top of the presidential dick sticker bracket on Amazon. And so we said, you know, maybe because there's not a bracket yet. So let's see if we can force Amazon to make one. So it's saturated as the market may be with our specific book entirely, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're willing to take that risk. Now, are, are you really going to be satisfied if you create and then dominate this bracket, 
Or are you really just hoping to see penis stickers all over the world on windows, street signs, etc.? What, what's your real motivation here? Nothing would make me happier than to see a bunch of these penis stickers put all over a trash can outside of a Starbucks. And so if that's really what what happens out of this, I will be fine with that. Although I gotta say I'm way more interested in seeing it actually in the book. Because I feel like if you just see a penis that looks like it's colored like Garfield and it's not on President Garfield, you're just gonna get a different message than what I meant to put out there. And really this is an educational tool as far as I can tell. So I don't really want the stickers to be put on trash cans everywhere, but I'll accept a couple. It would make me happy. I will. I would like to point out, for legal purposes, the Devastator does not encourage uh, putting <laughs> these stickers to public property of any kind. Um, we definitely encourage you to put them into the book, or uh, or into your own uh, personal notebooks, or right. perhaps your your history textbook. Yeah, we can't dictate what happens behind closed doors. So, like, if you want to slap dick stickers on your fridge or on your roommate's faces while they sleep, like, that's none of our business. And I should perhaps clarify. When I said trash can outside of a Starbucks, I meant your own private trash can <laughs> that you carry with you to Starbucks when you get your morning latte. I do this. I'm sure everyone else does. I, well, I think if I were uh, walking past a uh, public trash can, outside of Starbucks, and I saw a Garfield penis, I would just say, that Banksy, he is up to something, and it is good. <laughs> I don't really think you need a lot of context with your uh, with your penis stickers in the world. Yeah, I mean, we weren't going to talk about the gauntlet being thrown to Banksy, but now that you brought it up, I think it's really time that now that this book is out there, I think Banksy has a lot to step to, and uh, we're willing to accept the challenge. So, Banksy, if you're listening... We look forward to seeing your Bill Clinton saxophone dick. We bet it's not as good as ours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so this is this is how you're celebrating Fourth of July, and I think that, and I, I, your your conservative, uh, uh, dying greatest generation people are not going to see it as uh, patriotic, but I think it is. I think it is very American to be able to publish a book where we put stickers on our past presidents. That's uh, I, I agree 100%. Um, and I'll, I'll add that uh, we also give you reasons why uh, why we think each president deserves it to some extent. Uh, even the best presidents uh, have dick moves on their record, um, or uh, in some cases, boner moves. Um, and I think being able to say that publicly, uh, being able to uh, to express that, to talk about it, I think you're I think you're 100 percent right. I think it is very American. Criticizing authority is very American. It's how we started. Tea party. Yeah. Criticizing <laughs> authority. You know, ironically. Don't perhaps. tread on me. <laughs> so yeah, there. I mean, as as Jeffrey has pointed out, there are tons. Like all the presidents have something on them. It, it hasn't mattered whether it was conservative or liberal. Uh, it's been one of those things where we've made sure everybody – there was very few presidents where I couldn't find anything on them. The only guy that really comes out looking clean here is William Howard Taft. And he, we, he just get, we had to just tell him the bathtub story on him. <laughs> I was lucky enough to get a look at most of the stickers, and I think I can picture exactly which one Taft is. <laughs> I think we all can. Right? <laughs> you know, it's rounder than all the others. Yeah. And well, what's, 
That's that's almost that's almost heartening to say that you you had to try so hard to find a dick move for every president. Some, of course, they're going to be right up there. Uh, but uh, if I'm if I'm hearing this correctly, Devastator Press is saying if you're not out there putting penis stickers in public, then you hate the troops. Uh, <laughs> is all I'm reading, right? I'd like, to, I'd like to again point out that for legal reasons, please <laughs> do not stick these stickers onto anything but the book. <laughs> if you're going to stick these on troops, make sure they're your own private troops right. that you brought to the Starbucks. Your private yes. militia. Yes. <laughs> Which, by Second Amendment, you have a right to raise. Right. It's you. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, because I, I'm just going to keep harping, and I don't want to let this subject go. San Diego Comic-Con next week. I happen to live out here in San Diego. So, of course, I'm going to come by. Uh, I'm going to make it by the booth. And uh, you guys are going to have this brand-new book available for purchase, correct? Indeed. We'll be at booth 1632 right in, like, the big publisher zone of the convention floor. So you're uh, walking down the floor and you see, you know, Random House or uh, or uh, Drawn and Quarterly. We're right there. We're actually right next door to Heavy Metal Magazine. That's right. So uh, Digger Book's going to give Heavy Metal a run for its money. Well, I think it's great. Like, Heavy Metal has, like, the giant space booths. Right, and like we space male booths. And we have the presidential penises. So it's a nice, I think it's a yeah. compliment. Yeah, you're right. It is complimentary. <laughs> There's no reason not to grab some of both, I guess, you know? <laughs> yeah. If, if, you, can, if you can fit them in your bag, put them both in there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. If it doesn't make your bag bulge too much, just go ahead and put it in that bag. <laughs> <laughs> and Patrick will be signing uh, at the booth on Saturday and Sunday. I will. Oh, good, good. Well, uh, I'm trying to think what a very clever signature for a book like that would be. What Do you have a couple rehearsed in your head, ready to go, Patrick? You know, I thought about it, and I thought about, you know, making, like, a big, like, John Hancock-style <laughs> signature. Lots of filigrees. But I might just draw dicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's where I'm afraid you just might find yourself after the fifth or sixth one, but uh, uh, yeah, I it's not going to be bad. <laughs> you could turn off the curly cues underneath the signature to dicks with a little, like... I mean, when the first letter in your name is a P, you're kind of already starting from this place. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really, it, you can blame my parents, I guess. It's my, it's not my fault. I, I was just given this name. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, I, I think that's the problem we all have. So welcome to the uh, Penis Name Club, Patrick. Thank you. <laughs> and thanks to you and your your works, I look forward to seeing penises all over the gas lamp district uh, starting. I'm going to say Thursday morning. I'd like to once again. I don't know if you're <laughs> over listening. It's expressed by Saturday morning cereal, not necessarily. <laughs> we only want you to put dick stickers on your private gas lamp quarter that you bring Starbucks with you. Your, your model gas lamp Lego model gas lamp district that everybody brings. <laughs> or pedicabs. Pedicabs are okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Pedicabs are actually yes. Even even I'm gonna give you a pass there. It's like a pedicab with ad, uh, advertisements for USA's big. <laughs> <laughs> all over it's fine but you're fine 
Oh, so so uh, what what else are you guys gonna be uh, gonna be doing at Comic Con this year? Do you, do you uh, I mean, I you got to man the booth the whole time, but what of do you want to go see as fans? The uh, well, there's two. Well, uh, this uh, that's a two parter. I'm going to take uh, part one. What are we doing at Comic-Con this year? We have a really interesting new booth set up. We're teaming up with our friend uh, Yehudi Mercado. We published his book, Buffalo Speedway, which is a hilarious graphic novel about pizza boys becoming pizza men. And uh, we're creating uh, the San Diego Comic-Con Bad Den. Um, it's a rec room. The wood paneling, the dartboard, pinball, a bowl of pretzels. <laughs> that only we're allowed to eat because it's in San Diego rule. <laughs> Technically, yeah. The um, so it's uh, it's going to be this really fun, uh, this really fun, cool place. And then uh, on the floor, and uh, we also have two panels. We're doing a, a surviving Comic Con as exhibitor panel. So we we've been exhibiting for five years now, and we're teaming with some of our uh, fellow exhibitor friends uh, to tell other exhibitors. Uh, or like aspiring creators who want to take their things to comic conventions, like what what to do, how to survive it, how to how to make it work for you. That's Friday. That's yeah. Friday night at 8.30 p.m. Uh, counter-programming to the Eisner Awards. <laughs> so, so tons of people are going to be there, hopefully. Give the Eisner. And then uh and Saturday, um I will be on a panel. Um it's uh, it's called the Spotlight on Jimmy Robinson. He's a really amazing uh cartoonist for image comics. Um but it's actually uh about uh the uh person of color experience in the comics industry. So it's got um some really amazing comics talent and me, uh as kind of speaking from the editorial side of it, like how to edit comics and uh, what my experiences are. So that's a uh, so that's going to be an interesting panel if you're interested in the topic of diversity in comics. That's on Saturday at 3 p.m. Oh, okay. So, uh, so, uh, so aside from uh, doing this new booth, you've also got you're going to abandon your exhibition booth to do a panel in which I imagine you would advise no one to ever abandon their exhibition booth. And then <laughs> the next day, you've got uh, what is now becoming a rarity, an actual panel about comics at Comic-Con. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're going against the grain here. Yeah, yeah. you are uh, rebels down at Devastator, i got to tell you. But Devastator has a posse, so anytime you go to our booth, there's going to be a Devastator person there, whether it's me or Jeff or Patrick or uh, one of our other amazing staff editors. Uh, you'll, you'll run into someone really fun. And our booth neighbor, Yehudi Mercado, is from Disney, and he's amazingly talented. So I uh, highly recommend buying something from him, him as well. Okay. And that's uh, booth uh, 1634, you said? Uh, 32. 1632. 1632. You can remember it. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's 2 times 16. 16 times 2 is 32. Indeed. So 1632. That's, thank you. You've got in, into my brain. That, that'll be running around all day. You just take the square root, and then make sure you're using the order of operations. You have a calculator. <laughs> you know what? Never mind. We're not going to do this. It's fine. 1632. 1632. Booth 1632. Booth 1632. And, uh, and you guys are Random House, right? No. 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 Oh, okay. Let's take this from the top. <laughs> Random House Penguin now. Uh, uh, yeah, we're uh, we're on the same aisle as Random House. So if you're walking into the uh, floor and you pass Random House, just keep going. You'll find us on the right. There you right go. Head for the publishers. 
Look for Devastator Press, booth 1632. Uh, go in, say hi, buy a little something. Don't even ask about the pretzels. They're not for you. Um, <laughs> and let's and, not forget uh, the Presidential Dicker Book. I do love that name. <laughs> That's right. And it's, uh, it's available both at uh, devastatorpress.com and uh, on Amazon as well. All right. Uh, let's see. Anything else you guys had uh, in the works you want to plug real quick? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, so much crazy stuff is in the co- pipeline right now. The uh, We have a book uh, that's coming out uh, next month in August called Restart Me Up, and it's a fake oral history of Windows 95. <laughs> so if you ever wanted to know the not story of the making of Windows 95, this is the book for you. I think uh, uh, tech heads are going to uh, super enjoy this. It's uh it's definitely a trip back in time for those of us who grew up uh, using computers in the 90s. Um, it's hilarious. It's written by Leslie Cena, who uh, you've seen on uh, Community and Blackish. Um, she's hilarious, and it's a, it's a, it's a parody of uh, oral histories like Live from New York. And then, uh, and then we have another volume of uh, the Devastator Anthology series called The Space Epic. And it's uh, it's the Star Wars, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Uh, we're going into uh, into a land far, far away to uh, parody all that stuff. Yeah, that's this fall. Um, it's gonna be great. Uh, Star Wars parody. It's it's risky. <laughs> it is. It's definitely <laughs> risky. Uh, I say that we the stuff that we're doing, you haven't seen it before. Yeah, so, we put uh, the weirdest possible angle on every like uh, space epic uh, genre property. We're we're well aware that these things have been parodied. That some of has, these have been parodied many times, but we always try to find a fresh and interesting uh, way to approach uh, our subjects. I think uh, fans will be surprised. See, and that's good. And 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 you know what? It, it makes me want to ask if ever you've had an editorial meeting then at Devastator, had an idea you were starting to run with, and then said, you know what, you know this this is just too sacrosanct. If we parody this, no matter how original or good it is, we're, we're, we risk alienating too many of those hardcore fans who, you know, everyone's got that one special property where they just can't take a joke about. Wow. Uh, that's a great question. That's a great question. Have we ever... It said that in a room that there was something that I can't that was recall. like untouchable. No, yeah. I mean my guess is no. I don't think anything's ever been untouchable. I feel like there have been ones where it was like we thought about taking a crack at it, and then the fan base was like we, we almost thought it was the fan base would be very rabid, but also very small, and we weren't sure people who didn't know it would get it. Yeah, but that happens a lot. I think that's more likely where we look at something that's like pretty esoteric. Like Babylon 5 or something. Or Existed. Existed. Yeah, the perfect, the perfect example, which we ended up doing anyway. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, so basically you're just afraid you won't piss enough people off. That's right. Possibly. Yeah. That's, that's always it wouldn't be worth your effort at that point. I got gotcha. you. I think the closest one was for in the fantasy book. Um, we did a comic making fun of Harry Potter, and we were like, how do we make fun of Harry Potter, really, without – because everybody loves it. Like, even the people who, like, will criticize some books love it on the whole too much. Um, so instead, we just sort of 
did one that was sort of like a fuck you. <laughs> like, we're not going to talk about the specifics <laughs> or finding the logic flaws. It's just like, here's another, here's another volume in the, in the Harry Potter series called Harry Potter and the Itchy Nipple Syndrome. <laughs> and the entire comic was just Harry Potter being sad and scratching his chest. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that it sounds like you almost did craft it specifically so that you wouldn't get into any kind of touchy area, but you, uh, but you didn't go so far as to say, oh no, we can't touch Harry Potter. Uh, ooh, we touched it already. Oh yeah, we touched it. His are a very touchy area and immediate need of attention. Bad man. Well, there you have it, everybody. Devastator Press, where they have no limits. Uh, not exactly discerning, but damn talented. And that's and that's good enough for me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Right. We'll take it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot for, uh, for talking with me today, guys. It's always really fun to have you guys on the line. We'll see you down there at the Comic-Con. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Fat Bobby is a boy of nine. He can really hit that line. He's a star because he knows he's got go power from Cheerios. He's got go power. There he goes. He's feeling his Cheerios. 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 Yes, Cheerios, the cereal that's shaped like a little letter O. No other cereal is like Cheerios, the only ready-to-eat cereal with this wonderful toasted oat flavor. A breakfast of Cheerios with milk, fruit, and buttered toast is all you need to give you go power. That's because Cheerios is made from energy-packed oats, made to give you the vitamins and minerals you need for healthy nerves, good red blood, strong teeth, and bones. So give the whole family go power from Cheerios, the oat cereal that needs no cooking. Then you'll hear people say, He's feeling his Cheerios. <laughs> I think that brings up another very fun topic. <laughs> Nutrition at Comic-Con. And uh, yeah. what you should possibly be doing. Uh, uh, crossing your fingers is probably your best <laughs> bet. Bring some jerky, bring some peanuts, or, or what have you. Uh, I but, actually think that, I, and I do this... It, it's not an accident that that commercial just played, but I do put a bunch of Cheerios in a Ziploc bag. Yes, like a toddler. Like a toddler does. <laughs> and I lay them out Spring on cheese, the... cheese, <laughs> Cheerio, and some boxes of apple juice. Yeah. That is really your yeah, best bet. Yeah. But I don't use a little straw. I just, like, cut the edge off because I'm a fucking yeah. rebel. Yeah. He, he shotguns it. I do. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Capri Sun. I don't use that little stuff. <laughs> so that's yeah. That no, wow. I, I do. That. Uh, I think great, no, it's important. Look. Great commercial there, Marky. But wow, that is really before our time. I never considered Cheerios to be such a propaganda kind it of said all of your bit. all of your vitamins and minerals, uh, yeah. energy. And it know? also referred to it as a no bake. Oat cereal. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is this, that that commercial was out when people had to go uh, pluck the oats. The whole idea then, uh, of a cereal you put cold in a bowl filled with milk, you could just eat. Which means it was before instant oatmeal. It was when oatmeal was well, cereal was I guess oats that you turned into meal and then mushed 
and cooked. Yeah, cereal was something that it, that was warm. It was like boiling yeah. water, you know, and that that was cereal. Cereal, as we know it, is a very new concept. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my parents never would have gotten up at 7 a.m. on Saturday to cook me cereal. <laughs> That's right. So looking back, thank God they made that that technological breakthrough <laughs> where we had no-cook oat cereal. Yeah. No, but that that's what we do here. We we reminisce to a time way before we ever existed. <laughs> which, which sounds so difficult. Or may not have existed. But we do it anyway. <laughs> All right, everybody. Anyway, that was a Devastator. I can love Devastator. Amanda, Jeffrey, uh, Patrick, the author there. Great stuff. Also, I, I don't know if this came through in the interview when you heard it, Marquis, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure... They are just looking forward to handing out sticker books sticker at books. Comic-Con, w- w- which are all hilariously illustrated penises. <laughs> I, These are going to be everywhere, in my opinion. <laughs> you saw they were really trying to uh, backpedal there. You know, as soon for as legal I saw reasons, this, blah, blah. <laughs> but that's – no, they're coming to Comic-Con to fill the gas lamp with penises. Yeah, I think you're right. I know and when they first sent – me this kind of announcement. I was like, I have got to get my hands on this. I <laughs> need this. And I, what? Nothing. Nothing. It's just hard to listen to you. <laughs> like, all right. All right. Let's move past this. Let's grow up. You're right. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I, I actually haven't had a chance to look at this book yet because it was shipped to my house and my wife hasn't let me look at it yet. So she's been she look- took the, uh, <laughs> the discreet brown paper wrapping off it. And it's been hers ever since. She's into Washington's penis. What do you mean? I don't know. She salutes. You know, I, I This book is crazy. Uh, we actually did get an advanced copy of it. And it's... Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's everything they promised. Um, I, I actually... I am, I'm big into like real... Like real American history, right? not just the glossed over bullshit, right? Yeah. And this book is really about that. It says, um, I don't get angry, right, when I hear about James L. Polk and how much of a dick he was when he basically killed a bunch of Mexicans and a bunch of Indians. And he, you know, look, that's why we have New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, uh, Idaho, uh, you know. Yeah, you know, like, boys will be boys. Whatever, you know, but. <laughs> It was a dick thing he did. Yeah. We can say that, you know, it's yeah. fine. And that's what this book is doing. It's like, mm. you know, right, yeah, we're look, I'm from Albuquerque and I'm a proud American. That doesn't happen without James Polk being a fucking dick. Yeah. All that's right. True. Doesn't happen. That's true. And right? that's America. You're also exactly. allowed now to have a book where we put penis stickers all over your face. Or your face. Or Whatever. your friend's face or that trash can outside of Starbucks. Point being I you, when 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 I did this interview and I <laughs> talked to you one. about it and you said and this I don't know why it never occurred to me or I never noticed but over the years there are no more stickers being handed out That's right there's at not Comic-Con and you told me the reason why which seems obvious in hindsight now no more stickers now not not by anybody on the on the on the exhibit hall nobody yep. on the exhibit hall is giving you stickers because the convention people are tired of taking and cleaning up a whole bunch yeah. of fucking stickers, stickers that are everywhere all over downtown San Diego. Yeah, so everywhere. now they give you those like little like um, those little temporary tattoos. Yeah. You get the temporary tattoos, yeah. which you nobody has the patience to 
to wet and put on <laughs> stone face building yeah. of a you know forty dollar a plate steak place in downtown San Diego anymore. But now Devastator has come and have saved us from having to do that by giving us a whole book of presidential pricks. Yep. They found a cockhole. I mean, a loophole. <laughs> <laughs> a loophole you can put a cockhole in. Oh. Hey. But yeah. this, is, this, is, this is the sticker book that we deserve. This is the sticker book. <laughs> this, is the sticker, <laughs> this is the sticker book that all Americans deserve. <laughs> but this is really, really fun. Uh, it is. And yeah. I love talking to them, too. I know. They, they put out some hilarious stuff. They are definitely in our camp. There, there are in my people, opinion. Absolutely. If I can, if I can coin that term for people I agree with, they love celebrating and and making fun of parodying, not for satire purpose, but just because they know we love this property, they love this property, mm-hmm. and they can prove it by making fun of it, and that's a hallmark. I you think, know, of our of our community. What else I like about this in a world, and I'm not gonna, I'm gonna. I'm going to put a foot on the soapbox and just say in a world that goes way too PC too much. Foot's off the, my foot is off yeah. the soapbox now, <laughs> but still there, there is independent minded press that still exists mm-hmm. that is supposed to poke the eyeball of the establishment, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and to fight authority to a yeah, certain degree, to remind just, authority it can be fought with, if nothing else. And there's still room for that yeah. at Comic-Con, which I just love that spirit. We're, yeah. we are there, like we, we support them and by their action alone, they are supporting us. Yeah. You know, like it, it's fantastic what they're doing. So we love Devastator. They're at booth what? Uh, 1632, if I remember. At the where? One times two is two. Two times two is four. Four times two is eight. Eight times two is sixteen. Sixteen times two is thirty-two. So yeah, thirty-two. Booth, booth sixteen thirty-two. Yeah, I got that. See, yeah. I'm so there glad they taught me that trick. <laughs> so check them out. Sixteen thirty-two. Down in the publishers or publishers row is usually like right in the middle. Like yeah. when you if because you go really in, really it is kind of the reason for the season. It's exactly publishing right. houses were the ones who were bankrolling comic books. I'm going to give you guys all are the reason San Diego Comic Con exists. So they deserve that recognition. And I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a big. You're right, and I totally agree. There's plenty of booths, but one of the things. This is a little bit of insight for all of you first time Comic Con goers. Spend a lot of time in the the press area or the small press area, and that's where your Del Rey is. That's where your Devastator is. You're going to see a lot of those companies. That's where your Suicide Girls are. Ooh, yeah. get to that. Uh, but in the in those areas, there's you wouldn't believe how many times you can that you're going to go through there. And at one of those booths is Adam West. Yeah. One of those booths, uh, it's the series uh, heroes from Battlestar Galactica, yeah. or you know, like you're going to see all of these stars. Last year, they had the only surviving member of the Ramones, and I don't remember who he was. Well, they 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 had him under glass. Yeah, he was just <laughs> frozen, yeah. just to make but sure it was just a... <laughs> no more Ramones die. <laughs> they were we're trying afraid to, to lose that part. He was very preserved. Yes. But so anyway, you can get these at you can get access to this in this area that you know, luckily. Not rightfully, but luckily, is not that covered. Yeah. Right now, 
Comic-Con is crazy and it's packed no matter where you go. Relatively speaking, in the small press area, there's going to be a lot of room to move, a lot of uh, a lot of room to kind of bounce around and kind of check shit out. You're, you're talking about uh, the booths that you can yeah, see yeah, yeah, down yeah. there. As a, because you can actually get a lot more out of booths if you can do enough of them than you can out of panels, which you have to sacrifice a lot for. Exactly. Have a general idea of what panels you want to go to. Really try to only pick out a couple of them a day just because yeah. it's just going to be crazy. And it's, be prepared to cut at least one of those two out of your schedule. Yeah. Or – Because you're going to have to make concessions. Make a lot of friends, find out where they're going, have them save you a spot, and then you can go over there whenever you want to. But that's that takes a little networking. Yeah. All right. But if you want to check out the cool boots, you've got to hit the big stops first and foremost. Get that out of the way. All right. You're going to go to the Lucas Pavilion. You're going to go to the DC Comics one. is always great. You got to go to Sideshow Collectibles. They're friends of the show as well. It's well, the best stuff the possible. Best Lego stuff is going to be there. In terms Mattel of Hell is going to be there. Yeah. Hasbro is going to be there. All those guys are going to be there. Walking Dead's going to be there. Yeah, everyone's going to be there. Massive you want to see some of these booths. Stuff. Get the big ones you want out of the way because there is no. You might wait in line a little bit just as the crowd is moving through it. But this is something where you kind of set your own pace. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to the panels. So get some time. Go see some booths. Mark, do you have a real quick list of booths we can see? I'm not going to tell you because I need you guys to not be around where I am. <laughs> uh, but what I could do, I'm going to give you guys one in one kernel of what you should do. All right, lay it on okay. us. All right. I need you guys all to go to the E1 Entertainment booth, and that is booth 4021. 4021. E1 Entertainment are huge supporters of this show, and we love these yep. guys. And they are hosting Laura Vanderfort, who you guys know from Smallville. I know from V. Yeah. And everybody knows her now from the hit show Bitten that is going into its second season. Check it out. That's E1. They're at booth 4021. Uh, that's going to go on Friday uh, at 4 p.m. I'm sure the line's going to be very long but well distinguished. Um, the show's really good. I've been watching it, guys. It's is, this is good. This is good stuff. If you like the werewolves, I like the werewolves. I'm I'm scared of werewolves. I respect them though, so I do watch them. <laughs> you have a healthy thing. respect for werewolves. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> so that's that's what's going on and there. And I hope you all do. They're but, fucking werewolves, for God's sake. Other than that, it does me no good to give you advice on where to go booth-wise. But what's more important is the people. Oh, the people. You cannot pick a better place on Earth, I think. Right. You cannot pick a better place to go people-watching than San Diego Comic-Con. It's the best. The costumes, the the fever pitch of excitement for everything around us, the fandom everywhere just kind of adds to it. It's almost a, a drug experience. Mm -hmm. Very euphoric. Some of the best things to see, I'm going to go ahead and say it, one of the hippest things the last few years, your steampunk. I love steampunk. Steampunk is huge. I know nothing about it other than what I see at Comic-Cons and things like that. Yeah. Like, Well, you know what movie it comes from? Uh, I thought it was nothing. Like, oh. No movie. I thought it was That's like Wild Wild things. No, that came after oh, like kind of the the soft recognition of it. This is something that literally I thought it was like started so naturally. Ten thousand leagues under the so sea organically. Kind of stuff. Jules Verne. Jules Verne wrote his stuff 
during the Victorian era. So it, it is really only after it was established, steampunk, mm-hmm. that they looked back and said, oh, hey, Jules Verne deserves a lot of credit for this. But it existed kind of on its own. Yeah. It's it's an amazing thing. And there's a brand new documentary premiering Saturday night at 7 o'clock yeah. at the Hyatt called Vintage Tomorrows. That's an oxymoron. Which is exactly the point, the point behind steampunk. <laughs> it's that aesthetic where the Victorian clothes and the semi-futuristic uh, steam power technology attached to it. Yeah. It's it's all about anachronism. It's something that shouldn't go together, yet they force it together. And it's this aesthetic that has grown into a subset, which is basically grown into it. It's I don't want to say it's background noise now, but you can be guaranteed. Any other property that comes out, there is going to be some fan of that who is also into steampunk, and they will make a version of that property. Like my favorite, which is the Star Wars people. The Star Wars people, yeah. when they do a, a steampunk version of a Star Wars costume They do character. it all the time. There's a there's a steampunk R2-D2s you see all the time. Which is – in none of the Star Wars movies will you ever actually see a steampunk R2-D2, and, but it looks so right when you see it at a con. In fact, instead of butchering the concept anymore for you, let me just bring you a conversation I had with a gentleman named Bird McDonald, uh-huh. who just directed and is about to premiere his documentary, Vintage Tomorrows. That I've already seen. It's awesome. Yep. And, uh, oh, the hell with this. Magic Interview Machine, bring us Bird McDonald. Thanks for joining us on Saturday Morning Serial. I am Dan Shea, and joining me is Bird McDonald, director of Vintage Tomorrows. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, not at all. Thanks for joining us, Bird. I know you're probably pretty busy because uh, this documentary is going to San Diego, a little a little convention they call Comic-Con, <laughs> in just a few <laughs> days' time. And that's uh, that's that seems like a pretty big feather in a director's hat. Oh, I'm stoked. It's it's great. We we just finished the film about three weeks ago and had sent out um, a couple of submissions to festivals and, and conventions that we respect. And that was at the top of the list. And they let us know three weeks ago. And it's very exciting. Uh, I've never been to the San Diego Comic-Con. I've been to the New York Comic-Con. Uh, but so it's going to be, you know, a couple of different levels of adventure for me. I can't wait. Oh, well, uh, I'm actually located out in San Diego. Go there. Right I on. hit the Comic-Con pretty much every year, well, as much as I can. Uh, so we look forward to having you out here. Please, yeah. welcome. I can't, can't wait. I hope the weather's beautiful. Well, don't jinx it now. <laughs> no, you, it's a pretty safe bet. Uh, I won't even have time. If it were raining, I wouldn't even notice. I'll be so busy. So who cares what the weather is? It won't matter. <laughs> That is that is kind of true, probably. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you're preparing yourself for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think then this is going to be a, a big thing because uh, Vintage Tomorrows is a documentary about the the steampunk uh, subculture, which you mm-hmm. are going to see represented quite well. Good on the streets Good. and in the convention center and in the hotels and at the Hyatt, where the screening's going to be. Uh, it is, you know, it, it's a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And the documentary uh, definitely, I think, adds to uh, to this growing catalog of of information about it for people who who are because it's it's not it's not you know if you're a 
Star Wars fan, everyone has specifically the movies to gather mm-hmm. around, whereas mm-hmm. steampunk just sort of starts as an aesthetic, but so it resonates so well with so many people that now it has spawned so many stories, books, characters, movies, mm-hmm. music. It is kind of reverse engineered its own culture. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's interesting. Like when you ask you know, ask ten steampunks to define steampunk and you'll get ten very awesome and very different answers. Uh you know, at the end of the day when people ask me that question, what is it? You know, it's it takes ten minutes <laughs> to get to the bottom of it. But I think these days I'm I'm latching onto the idea that, you know, it's quantifiably starts as a literary subgenre, a science fiction subgenre. And, you know, and from that place, it's become, you know, it's, it's seeped into everything, anything that you can make or any way that you can be expressive, you know, you can do that through the prism of steampunk. And that is a lot of stuff to cover, you know, in the film, we cover writers, we cover makers, we cover musicians, we cover comic comics, we cover, you know, games, that kind of thing, but, you know, it's endless. And there was, it was sort of a fool's errand to try to be, you know, to cover everything. It didn't seem possible with our uh, time, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, like I mentioned, I, I saw the screener already and what it got to that I had never thought about. Uh, and it's not, I, I personally don't practice any steampunk, but I like the aesthetic and I really love that there is that subculture out there here on the show we're basically dedicated to celebrating all the uh all of the the pop culture kind of community and we think uh-huh. it's a good thing and we want people if if you feel nerdy but you <laughs> feel less nerdy when you dress up and go out and celebrate your nerdiness then that's a good that's a positive thing mm-hmm. fandom mm-hmm. in this case you know keeps us all together uh Absolutely. but what you touched on in this documentary something I'd never thought about for steampunk is that it it sort of straddles the line between trying to reclaim and trying to celebrate the Victorian era and and the colonialism and the yeah. oppression and all the very negative things that uh that that modern society has tried to eschew and it's it's almost it's almost so topical because of what's going on right now uh, thanks to the shooting in Charleston and mm-hmm. the backlash against the Confederate flag, mm-hmm. and no, you know, Dukes of Hazard is the latest. It's, a, it's know, complicated, right? And had nothing to do with the sentiment behind it. Right but now, it's, right. it's gone. The General Lee is gone. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I honestly, you know, coming into the project. Um, it had not occurred to me as well, you know, that, that there's a complicated nature to celebrating uh, Victorian times because of all of the oppression and the imperial, imperialism and the, you know, the way people, you know, were treated and conquered and, you know, the cavalier nature of you know, the British Empire. All of that stuff is, uh, it's tricky, you know, and one of the, my favorite interviews in the film, Nisi Shaw, um, you know, calls it out. She's like, you know, I'm just really uncomfortable with this because I don't know that everybody is thinking through what that pith helmet represents when they put it on their head. And for the most part, I mean, this is true. The steampunk community is a very, you know, liberal, very smart, very politically astute community. And everybody is willing to talk about it, you know, over the course of talk about the complexity of it over the course of making the film. We went to cons for about three years and 
towards the end of shooting, we started we started seeing panels, you know, pop up at cons, sort of dedicated to having that debate and that conversation about, you know, what does it mean when we, you know, replicate that imagery and and how can we do it in a little, you know, in a way that's conscious? How can we do it a little bit differently so that it's not, you know, offensive? And so I think it's a part of the discourse within the community. But I think for people that stand on the outside and look at steampunk and think, oh, it's cool because I like the style of it and the playfulness of it and the technology of it, um, I think that that might not be something that they had thought about. And I wanted to make sure that got in the film. There was honestly a time when we were cutting that, you know, you felt a lot of celebratory energy from parts of the film and then wherever we would put that section, you know, it was kind of the party would come to a, to a dead halt. And, and we probably moved that around eight times before we struck finally, you know, locked the picture. But I, I really, in my heart felt it needed to be in there because I had not heard much about that angle before. And um, I hope it doesn't ruin the party for people, but sometimes, sometimes you have to do that, you know? Well, it does, it does beg the question that if, people in steampunk put on a pith helmet and they have in their mind absolutely no association between the pith helmet being a symbol of British colonialism and all the atrocities mm -hmm. done under the name of that versus mm -hmm. they just like that aesthetic. You know, it, it could be argued that they are not being offensive because they mean no offense. Exactly. But that is using, that's saying that ignorance is then is an excuse that we can use abide with. Slippery slope. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, we literally, in shooting the film, would bring that question up to somebody wearing a pith helmet. And and as soon as they hear that, you know, we never we never met one person that was, like, not utterly fascinated by, by perhaps their own, you know, laissez-faire attitude, or, you know, the fact that they had not considered it. After you tell them once, they, they definitely knew what was going on and they thought about it differently. That was my experience. But, yeah, I, just, I thought it was really important to get that in there because, you know, in fan community, we can get so excited about whatever we're excited about that we kind of uh, forget to look from another perspective, I guess, would be the way to say that. Yeah. Well, well, I'm curious, you know, of the people wearing pith helmets that you pointed this out to, you know, how many of them just kind of got defensive and went on their heels versus how many of them took their – $250 pith helmet off and immediately <laughs> threw it in the trash. I think it was somewhere in the middle, probably. No, everyone, nobody was dismissive. Everybody was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. I had not thought of that. They didn't all necessarily agree, you know, because they, for some, for some people in the community, it's not, it's not super political, right? Like it's not, it's not super deep in that way. It's some, you know, they, they like the, the, opportunity to, to make something they like the aesthetic they like the opportunity to create personas and dress up and um and that's all rich and wonderful stuff but you know not all of them have thought about it from every angle and, and i didn't i didn't have one experience where you know they weren't immediately curious to talk about that you know so that was that was a, a pleasant surprise oh. well well uh, no, no, uh moving on uh another kind of uh, almost melancholy idea that I had never considered, but but was brought up in the film is that uh, you're picking up on all the downer moments. I like well, it. Go on. It's, continue. It's, continue. It's, it's the point. It's it's where I am in my life right now. What can I tell you? <laughs> you and I should hang out. Me too. Go on. <laughs> but uh, it, you know, it was mentioned that the more popular and accepted and broader uh, steampunk as a, a subset of pop culture gets, 
the the harder it is to do right. You know, the bar mm-hmm. just keeps getting raised. Sooner or later, it's going to be at an impossible level, and everybody will have a pair of steampunk goggles, but they will be plastic and made in China and all look <laughs> identical. And, and, and that, that really topic. undercuts, you know, what steampunk is. So does a movement like this actually have a built-in countdown timer, or can it I go it, on? I think everybody in the community is conscious conscious of that, that, you know, the bar is high and we need to, you know, figure out ways to do new and different things with it. Uh, and to go back to Nisi, like she, she's fascinating because she she's like, you know, asking the question, why don't we actually set steampunk stories in Africa? You know, why don't we take them to different places and not just concentrate on that tiny island? Um, I think there is an opportunity for it to continue in different ways. I mean, though it it is tricky. I'm trying to think of, you know, as many fan cultures as you explore on your show, can you think of an, a fan culture that's kind of backed itself into a corner and, and ended? I can't really think of one that's extinct, I guess. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I know. I mean, off the top of my head, looking back over the years, you could say uh, burlesque kind of at its comeback has sort of plateaued. I guess not in not in Portland, Oregon. Well, see, there you it's go. Alive, maybe it's it alive is, and well. Maybe it's the and and I think it's and it's always going to be there, but it's not. Uh, you know, I think steampunk is on this meteoric rise where you have mm-hmm. mainstream. You know, Justin Bieber, not yeah. you know, dressed up in steampunk for a video which was shown to hundreds of millions of people. Yeah, that's a dangerous jumping the shark moment potentially. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. It's, it's you know and 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 maybe the best thing that can come of steampunk is that it it levels off, you know. The membership sort of has this equilibrium mm-hmm. where everyone who appreciates it but can take it seriously enough is still engaged and everyone who saw it as a fad, you know, can still accept it being out there, not turn against it, not, you know, like back in the uh, end of the 70s, everybody burning disco records, kind of mm. cultural backlash. Yeah, but disco comes back. <laughs> it keeps coming back, too. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting. I mean, like, you know, it's really hard to put steampunk on a timeline. We're definitely seeing it, you know, the rise of it in pop culture, and it's, you know, it's visible now. I mean, I was watching Tim Gunn's Guide to Style, and they had, like, or one of, Tim Gunn's show, and, and, like, they had a steampunk challenge, and that felt like a dangerous moment. Of, this is everywhere and maybe too much. But I think it's hard to decide when steampunk started. But I think you know people people like you know retro aesthetics, and and it's probably been going on longer than than we've even known. And I don't think anybody's going to forget about the Victorian time or or the aesthetics of that time. I think it'll just be woven differently and and move forward. It, I don't think we're going to have the same number of steampunk cons in 10 years. I'm pretty sure that's true. Okay. But, like, yeah, that that might be a good marker for for what I'm thinking because I don't think, you know, it will not go extinct. You know, it it's sort of somebody who liked that aesthetic and was doing it anyway just saw someone else, coincidentally, who also was doing it. And that's mm-hmm. when the uh, the molecules started coalescing, and now it's a it's a solid, actual, tangible thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Twenty years ago, or, or or more, when Wild Wild West came out, which looking back again, not that I'm endorsing that as a good movie, but yeah, the movie's tough to 
defend. Yeah. <laughs> it continued, yeah. But it was it was done, you know, consciously with this steampunk aesthetic. But I, when mm-hmm. it first came out, I don't think any reviewer probably used the term steampunk. I in don't its either. Description. I, I agree with you on so that, I and I don't. I don't think it mattered that it was. Yeah, the steampunk movie that I that I always gravitate to is City of Lost Children. I think that's the definitive cool steampunk film. That and Hugo. Scorsese's film. I think those are really good examples of it. But I'm like, you know, like, you know, had that film been great, I don't think anybody, people just weren't using that word at that yeah. time, you know. But, and, and of course, back when, you know, City of Lost Children came out, no one, I don't think, had even tried coining that word yet. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even so, under the radar, and, it just didn't exist. But the aesthetic was there with Ron Perlman speaking French and a bizarre storyline, but just so fascinating you couldn't take your eyes off it mm-hmm. totally totally all right well that's that's enough i'm, I'm gonna stop trying to trying to trying to bring every steampunk down because <laughs> i do like it and i and i and i, and I love it's one of my favorite uh styles of cosplay to go yeah. and see and everyone had and every year they get a little a little better people are putting that much more work into it uh there's there's i think last year there were so many steampunk uh, stormtroopers. Mm. How do they do that? How is that being expressed? It's you know uh, there are actually a number of different ones that I can think of off the top of my head. I remember seeing some were almost exactly like uh, the Star Wars movie prop costumes, but with like the uh, the patina and and the tin look with bolts running along. It seemed like you know that was the easiest way to do it. Then others started from the ground up. Oh, and actually, I was just at Celebration a couple months ago, and they did their whole parade of of the FETs, and there were probably more steampunk varieties than wow. any other singular take on it. Wow. And you know, when it, when something creeps into Star Wars fandom, you know it has <laughs> its own power. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I like, you know, the the, the costuming and, and the persona creating and all in that part of steampunk is really cool to me but the the thing that i walked away from you know from hanging out with a variety of these people i i was so blown away by the maker community you know the people that build the never was hall you know which is victorian house on wheels that blows my mind you know and and i think that's just probably who i am i'm not a fashionista i don't care as much about clothes probably but uh, i think that any movement or community that inspires you to learn new things and new skills and any community that comes together and is willing to share ways to do that just good stuff you know and i think that's why it won't go away because you know it'll it'll just be expressed in different ways but there the need to share ideas and the 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 desire to learn stuff is you know rampant in that community because these are smart people you know and they're curious and they don't want to you know, they don't want to on the weekends just go drink a beer on a couch. They want to do stuff, and and I have tremendous respect for that. Yeah, it's it's something that again, I think the fact that it started with such a small seed, there wasn't even one specific you know piece of fiction to tie it together. You know, right. even Jules Verne didn't have you know quite the idea of what steampunk is and the way it is now when he was writing back then. Uh, the fact that it was so built brick by brick by the people actually doing it, mm-hmm. it's, it gives it it gives it one hell of a foundation in pop culture, which is hard yeah. to do. 
So yeah. it's it seems like it would have been inevitable. And it had to happen, and now it's grown up enough to where it has to wonder, you know, what does it really represent? The whole colonialism aspect is is a real head scratcher. Yeah, I'm still yeah. trying to get my mind around exactly what the ramifications of that would be. Oh, don't get, don't get lost in the darkness, Dan. No, it's it's tricky. It's tricky. <laughs> but uh, all right, enough of that. Comic Con coming up. You're going. Yep. your first time in San Diego. Yes, I hope sir. you are going to have a little bit of time to go out and at least see the show floor. Maybe take in a couple of panels yourself from the audience side. Absolutely. Can you recommend um, anything that you know about? Any? Can you recommend a place I should be? Thursdays and Fridays tend to be the funnest days. If you can just mm-hmm. go out and like look on the convention floor, just the showroom, that's when the energy is highest, but the attendance is still kind of manageable. That's awesome. I have uh, Thursday completely free, so that's a, that's a good tip. That's, I like that. Yeah, Thursday is probably your best bet. That Go and see as much of uh, the actual uh, showroom as you can on Thursday. Uh, Friday is another good day before it really starts to uh, get crowded. By Saturday, it's it's a zoo. Uh, Saturday, and, and I know your screening is Saturday night, so you're mm-hmm. probably going to be pretty busy that day anyway. But uh, especially like Saturday morning or something, that would that might be if you're going to budget your time right, might be when you want to pick the biggest uh, panel that you want to mm-hmm. see and then go sit down in line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are the lines insane? They, it depends what you go to. There, mm-hmm. uh, there's always going to be a panel going on somewhere that you can just walk into, even in the middle of, and there'll be seats. But if you want to see anything with Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> right on. I, I do enjoy him too, so that's you know that might be a line worth waiting in. Mm, true, and that's if if you really because the other thing which is great about going out on the showroom floor is in between panels, all these people just want to go out and see this too. So if you don't really care about the movie he's in, but you think maybe mm-hmm. I'll run into him and get a quick picture, <laughs> being out on the show floor is your only chance to do that. So that's mm-hmm. that's my two cents. Mm-hmm. We'll bring a lot of beef jerky and power bars and, and oh my do god, it. yes! Bottles mm-hmm. of water, a flask if you can. It helps so much. Maybe wear a catheter so you could just you know urinate on yourself and keep going. <laughs> catheter that would have been so much cleaner than last year. Well, live and learn. <laughs> live and learn, Dan. I want uh, pictures. Uh, and another one, and people just tend to instinctively do this at, at at cons, I think, and you probably know this, but you know, it, once you are stuck in line with somebody, make friends with people around you. You guys oh, share yeah. interests. They can watch your spot while you go to the bathroom, and vice versa. You make line friends is yeah. one, one of the most powerful uh, tools that you can do at, at uh, Comic Con. And that's just the good stuff. That's where you get the stories. Yeah, that's yep. good. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Bird. Uh, thank you. I know you. You know, most of all, you want to get this vintage tomorrow's out there for everyone to see. But uh, if you got anything else you want to plug coming out later, this is a this is the time. Absolutely. Um, you know, definitely working on other projects that I think might be right up your alley. Uh, and also, if people are interested in finding out more about this film, they can go to our website, which is www.vintagetomorrows.com. There's going to be more information there. Hopefully soon we'll be able to tell you how to you know, purchase or download the film. So watch that space. All right. There you go, everybody. It's uh, it's actually a really 
I, I know I started painting it as kind of dark, but it is not a dark documentary. It's a real thinking man's piece. It is not just another empty propaganda recruitment film for the uh, Zionist steampunk agenda. It's, and it ends with a wedding, a beautiful wedding. So, you know, it's got some, it's got some heart to it, too. That's exactly right. Yeah. Thanks cool. a lot, Bird. Appreciate All right, it. Have a good fourth. Kids like cakes because of its crisp corn crunch. Moms like cakes because it's low in sugar. Do you want some more? I'll give them myself. Kicks. Kid tested, mother approved. Kicks, baby. You remember those? They were like the health food yeah, for I never, 80s I children. I don't think I've ever tried them. Really? Yeah, because my mom loved me. Oh. See, my mom made me watch PBS oh. eat kicks a lot during the week. So that's how I went through many boxes and of kicks. And why you might be a college dropout. Uh, all right, yeah. Let's not get sucked down into the conversation of cereal. We will eventually. Oh, yes, we will. <laughs> There's a lot I have to say about cereal. But we're still talking about Comic-Con. Uh, once again, that was Bird McDonald, director of Vintage Tomorrow's, premiering... This Saturday, during Comic-Con, but there's so many other things to see that are connected to it. Uh, One of no small note, and this is – I want everyone listening to this to realize I'm aware I'm eating crow here. (laughs) Because you heard me mention in the last interview with Bird McDonald when I was challenging the idea that that steampunk – it has got enough momentum to sustain becoming trendy. Uh-huh. I mentioned that perhaps burlesque was on a downward trend. I admit I'm wrong. I don't he know. He proved me wrong just by being from Portland. Turns out, as usual, we still have the Suicide Girls. Ooh, those Suicide Girls. <sighs> it's amazing how yeah. incredibly yeah. sexy... Hot, steamy. That alternative is, yeah. You know, like they're another awesome subgroup yeah. in our pop culture, uh, and they are doing their usual burlesque show. Uh-huh. At, at the and House they of Blues. are at the House of Blues as they are most years for Comic Con. Uh, brought to us by Missy Suicide, mm-hmm. co-founder of the Suicide Girls back in the day. Luckily, not only do they have a show for us here at the House of Blues, as they usually do. But last year, I got to talk to Missy about how they usually handle their their burlesque shows, being kind of, you know, a pop culture nerd-facing property that they are and still being able to make it mature. Let me just let her answer this. <laughs> hey, hey, Missy from a year ago, how do you handle your uh, your San Diego House of Blues burlesque performance, and what does that mean to you? Yeah, the show was, like, crazy long. We tried out all of the, like, it was kind of, because we knew that the Comic-Con crowd would be our audience, so we could doubt numbers <laughs> on them, and they would they would get the references, and they would, they would give us the most honest feedback, you know, like, if the Adventure Time number worked, or if it didn't work, mm-hmm. or if the, you know, what worked and what didn't, and so we just tried everything that we had cooking, <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Uh, for our next, for our uh, fall tour, and it was it was such a fun show. Um, being around, you know, just all of the you know the fans that are that 
you know, they feel like family, you know. Um, Boy, what a voice. All right, Missy Suicide, one of the co-founders of Suicide Girls and in charge of the bur- Traveling Burlesque Show. Uh, when can we see that at House of Blues in downtown San well, Diego, Marky? lucky for everybody, you can check out Blackheart Burlesque. July 9th, which is the Thursday of Comic-Con, so it's basically day one of Comic-Con, not counting the preview night, and it's going to be at the House of Blues. Check out blackheartburlesque.com. Get your tickets. They might be sold out already. This is a very, very sought-after event of Comic-Con. Yes, it is. It's about as far away from Comic-Con as you can get by still being called Comic-Con, and it's not that far. It's a... And let's be frank, though. Yeah, and it is. In a pedicab, it'll cost you $4. You yeah. can get down and catch it if you want to. It's not a problem. But the reason it's so far away from the usual Comic-Con fair is there's this element of sexuality to it. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's any different from the other things we celebrate. I think I think Missy Suicide put it so well there when she said she trusts the yeah. Comic-Con audience. Yeah. She knows that if if we don't react to a certain piece they're doing – they know not to take it any further. Yeah, yeah, and you're that right. is the greatest compliment. It also means that she she's one of us. They're one of us. Burlesque did not die. <laughs> you it well, won't die. I'm sorry if I'm, I I'm gonna but, I'm gonna try to save you here because I think burlesque at least evolved a little bit. It and, has. You know, it has. It's one of those. If nothing else, it is up there in Portland, Oregon, which is let's let's face it, that's like a alternative pop culture trend stasis machine. Portlandia. Where they almost don't even (laughs) want to let the cool things go out again. We're still a family. Yeah. And I want to keep that. I want to keep that. That's the point. That's what I wanted to say today. Hear ye, hear ye. Hear ye, hear ye. (laughs) Here in San Diego this weekend, we shall talk about many things we love, and no one is excluded. And what happened in this particular show is a microcosm of what we're going to be doing the rest of the year. Yep. The, uh, Comic-Con is it's a collection of these of these things that we love and it's an opportunity for us to to meet each other and to get to know each other and to experience new things or experience old things in a new way or new things in an old way. Yep. What whatever you want to talk about, it's there. 